Welcome to the Kick Pod, your weekly DM on the stuff that matters. Hello. Hello, how are you? I am good. Had a great <laughs> week. I booked Billy into the groomer for the first time of his life. Yes, I have much to say, <laughs> yes, it was much tender because he had So anyone, this is probably too much information. He had a very hairy bottom. Very hairy, like full dangly, dangly bottom. So a bit of wet, dreadlocks. A bit dreadlocky, yeah. <laughs> so we needed to get a trim. I tried to call. Groomers are, honestly, it was like I was booking into Sarah Jessica Parker's hairdresser. <laughs> That's how explosive it was. Celebrity. <laughs> Why is that in my head? I don't know. I don't know. Anyway, I feel like she has great hair. Anyway, we found a, a groomer that I could take him to. And I have to tell you this. I wanted to tell you on the podcast because okay. I just thought it was a bit funny and also tragic. Dalton and I, honestly, I we are so tragic. So Dalton dropped him off. I mm-hmm. didn't want to because I would be too sad leaving him. Mm-hmm. And I called him. I said, oh, how did it go? And he goes, oh, I didn't watch. And I was like, what do you mean you didn't watch? And he goes, oh, I dropped him in and then I just had to leave. It kind of reminded me someone was in hospital and the bed had to be wheeled away. Like if they were having an operation and you don't want to watch. Oh, and I was like, "My God, Bill is having a haircut. Uh, are we, I, I think we are too much with him because that is, I was laughing. I was like, oh my God, I wouldn't even do that. But he was like, I literally couldn't watch him being walked away to get a haircut. Oh, you two, honestly, <laughs> I can't wait to see what you're actually like with real kids because I, I mean, not to say that Bill isn't a real kid. Um, it's just that I, I've never known two people that are more helicopter parents to their own dog than you two. But I will say <laughs> Dalton is definitely worse than you. Like I didn't, yeah, expect, you. I didn't expect that, but like he really is. I see him just kind of, if, if we're at a park or we're like anywhere and, <laughs> and B- Billy walks away, it's like, you can't have a conversation with Dalton. He needs to know yeah. exactly where <laughs> Billy is at all times. It's crazy. <laughs> I'm scared for us when we have children. Like, we're going to take... We're not going to be helicopter parents because that's too far away to watch from a helicopter. We're going to be... I don't know what you're hovering parents like just while we're staying. It's going to be too much. Anyway, I thought that was very funny that he couldn't even watch Bill being taken to the groomer. Bill's home. He's fine. He's looking good. (laughs) His bum hairs are all trimmed. Great to know. (laughs) Anyway, how are you? You're in Byron Bay. I mean, you are doing a lot better than me right now. I'm talking (laughs) about trimming bum hairs and you are in Byron Bay. (laughs) Oh yeah, no, I'm I'm so happy to be here. I'm so grateful to be here. We um we've planned this holiday trip to Byron, a bit of a long weekender with two of our best mates. For quite a while now, we got it for Dan, one of our best mates, his 30th birthday. We also just wanted an excuse to get away with them because they're two of our closest friends and we realised we never actually had gone on a holiday with them. And so, yeah, we've been planning it since his birthday, which was the middle of the year, and we had to move the dates. I think this was the third time we moved the dates. And I was just so fortunate that we could move the booking around and, and make it work as soon as the borders opened up again. And it just feels so surreal being here and I'm combining my how are you with my special share at the moment because I feel like there's just so much to say about the first I don't know trip to the airport (laughs) and flight I um I actually had a job up in Sydney just the day before this trip so I ended up combining the two so I flew up to Sydney by myself on Wednesday and 
just it was so weird going to the airport like after you know I'm usually that person who's the last person on the plane like I really spend the least amount of time in the airport um possible because I used to have to do it weekly and and I mean there's people who have to do it a lot more often than me so I you know can't complain and it's definitely a privilege so I totally understand that but I I I think because it had been obviously all year since I got to go to the airport. I got so excited to go. And I remember saying to you earlier in the day, like, I'm going to get there early. I'm going to go sit in the in the lounge and I'm just going to work. So I'm going to go two hours early. Like, I'm just going to be really prepared. I also have no idea what to expect. Like, will there be a line of like COVID testing? I don't know. And I get there and it's like zombie land <laughs> on, on the inside. So like before you go through the um scanners and everything it was like Mm -hmm. full empty and then as soon as I went through the scan I started to see a bit of life started to get a bit excited like oh there's people around noticed straight away that the the lounge was closed all right that sucks but not a biggie I've got two hours to kill looked around okay no restaurants are open there's like nothing open everyone's just kind of sitting at a table there wasn't any even any plugs to plug in you know your laptop or anything so I was like okay, how the heck am I going to work for two hours here? And also being pregnant, I was so ready for lunch. I was like, I need, I need, I need to eat. I need to eat something. I was very much looking forward to a Vegemite and cheese toasty. I went over to the cafe. Steph, can I ask you a question? Do you yeah. think that they're going to have buffets where you can make your own cheese and toasted sandwich in COVID? I didn't think about it, Liz. I really did not think about it. But I thought, I don't know, maybe there would just be like a different, I don't know. I, I didn't know they weren't going to be open, but anyway it totally makes sense now definitely especially when you put it like that but um I went to this little cafe that was open and I saw that they had some sandwiches and I thought okay this will do um I've been kind of avoiding deli meat so I couldn't go the ham and cheese toasty but I saw these two sandwiches one of them looked like a chicken sandwich but then it was like a really saturated mayo chicken sandwich and I think I'm also meant to be avoiding mayonnaise and then the other one was like an egg sandwich which I just do not like egg sandwiches. I don't think I could even pay myself to have an egg sandwich from the airport. Um, so then I was like, okay, um, banana bread's my only option, but let's, you know, let's keep looking. So I did a lap around half of the airport that was open and there was literally nothing open, but a bookstore was open. And at the back of the bookstore, there was a wine bar. And I was like, I love that one. Yeah. Yeah. So I was like, okay, I'm going to go in the bookstore. That looks like a much more comfortable place to sit in the back of than just the food court that's empty. Um, and then in the wine bar, they had little sausage rolls and stuff. And one of them was like a veggie patty. And I had that and it was actually, it was quite delicious. And I bought myself a book and they had a plug. I could plug my laptop in and it was, it was great. I got some work done, but it was, um, it was just quite funny because what I noticed was as soon as that was two hours before my flight and before my boarding. And what I noticed was all those people that I'd seen that were sitting there, like as soon as that flight left, the airport was literally empty, like fully empty. So it was, it only ever felt full when there was like a flight, whereas usually it's like chockers everywhere. So Mm -hmm. it was very, very interesting. And then even just sitting on the flight and, you know, obviously having to wear a mask and um, just how everything was a little bit different. It just felt a bit weird. And it was, um, it was weird, but, but exciting. And then I felt like when I landed in Sydney, I got in the Uber and kind of did the same old trip to Bondi. Cause that's where I usually stay. And I just felt like, Oh, it feels like yesterday that I was here. So anyway, Can I ask random you a question. Yeah. 
<laughs> so I, if everyone listening, am the one who writes our podcast descriptions and I write in the our special, special shares each week. <laughs> what oh my gosh. Okay. From that story was your special share because do you want me to put an essay in there about Steph's trip to the airport? I also already knew what you had because oh. you were like, as soon as you got there, you were like, guess what, Laura? They only have egg and chicken sandwiches. I'm very disappointed. I was like, okay. I, I did feel sorry for you, but also at the same time, I'm very confused what what to do with this. Great story, though. This episode is all Steph-themed because my special share is a Steph-themed special share. Wow. Oh, no. This is a big one. So I actually listened to your podcast with Hugh um, on The Imperfects, and I absolutely loved listening to it. And I highly recommend for anyone who loves Steph. I'm guessing if you're still here after listening about her her journey Jesus. to find a mint um, uh, vegetable pie you must like her a little bit yeah. so definitely listen to that podcast it was it was really great Steph and it was amazing how much you shared um about your journey with food and everything and yeah I really really enjoyed it thank you thanks I actually um I, I listened to parts of it obviously not the whole thing I, I really obviously listened to my own podcast I'm surprised you didn't recommend it <laughs> no of course not but I um I thought it was so funny when Hugh was speaking about how when he came on to our podcast uh, he, didn't how, he didn't know who we really were like he, he found out about kick and he learned about kick and he definitely wanted to support that but he didn't really know who we were and so when at, at the end of the podcast when he was like yeah, let, let me get, guys, guys let, let me know if you want a shout out or, or anything like I, I can do that for you. And um, which was so nice. Like when he said on his podcast that he felt like an idiot for saying that he shouldn't feel like felt like an idiot. Like obviously help from anyone is appreciated. But it was just so funny to hear that he then like went on our accounts and we're like, oh, my God. And then he went to his wife and she was like, how do you not? what do you mean <laughs> just I found that that part so funny but um thanks Laws I don't know how you still listen to those chats like surely you know my story <laughs> I, I love listening to it also no one needs to listen anymore because you've just told them what the problem <laughs> <laughs> oh, hell. if you're okay. still here I really hope you're still here because should we this get on to the guest yeah I know the guest is very because important and very I feel awesome. bad <laughs> Oh, Steph's in Byron. She's she's feeling like a new I've woman. Really she just wants it. to share all these stories. No. Anyway, I'm going to put an end to the stories. Good. <laughs> Who have we it. got today? <laughs> We've got the incredible Kate Was. So you might know Kate Wasley through uh, Anybody Co. She's got an incredible social media presence. Uh, I know a lot of you know you guys in our community do love her because I see liking her pictures and, and sharing her pictures so much. Um, but she has just got such a beautifully inspiring and encouraging story and. And, and something we complimented her on actually in the podcast or maybe it was afterwards but her way of storytelling is so beautiful and, and really captivating but she's been through a lot she you know is very raw and honest on social media which we love and couldn't recommend you know following her she's a very positive person to follow on social media but this um this story of hers is really inspiring and we think you guys are going to relate to it and love it so much also, before we get into this conversation, we just wanted to let you know there is quite a bit of reference to eating disorders in this chat. So if this is triggering for you, we would recommend skipping this episode. If you do need support, make sure you contact the Butterfly Foundation. 
Okay, thank you so much for joining us. We're so excited to talk to you today. We wanted to start with a very simple question that I think this year hasn't been as simple, which is how are you and what has this year been like for you? Thanks so much for having me on. I'm so excited to chat to you guys. Um, This year, wow. (laughs) I don't even know how to really put that into words. I feel like for me personally, it's been very slow. Mm. But also, it's December next week. Like, how did that happen? So, yeah, it's been a bit uh, different, <laughs> a little bit hard. But I mean, that's okay. It's been like that for everyone. So we haven't just... um, we haven't actually got to speak directly to anyone in Perth. So, what's it been like? Like, what's COVID been like in Perth? We have been so lucky. Like. Our borders, obviously, we've had a really hard border closure, Mm. which I can totally understand is so hard for people that can't see their families and, you know, people that rely, like me, rely on working interstate. But um, we have been so lucky and I'm so grateful, like as hard as it's been not being able to work and stuff, the freedom that we have here, Mm. you know, we probably had three, four weeks of lockdown when it all kicked off. And then besides that, we've had no community transmission or anything so I mean I really feel for you girls just coming out of that huge Melbourne lockdown but yeah yeah we have been very very fortunate here is most of your work in Melbourne and Sydney yes okay so you haven't been able to you've only been able to do shoots in Perth yeah and I have done one all year yeah (laughs) isn't that nuts like gone from working so much flying so much and this year I've done one shoot and it was only like two weeks ago but oh it's the industry is really taking I mean I know a lot of industries really have of course but even speaking to Matthew our agent down here in Melbourne like the industry has just taken an absolute hit this year it's been so hard for people to plan things like um, shoots and everything I mean even coming from a brand's point of view it's really hard to plan that sort of stuff and book in advance when you just have no idea what I know it's gonna happen no idea if there's another lockdown around the corner I just had a um a job booked in South Australia and they've gone from having no cases all year to that one week when I had a job they had an outbreak and I was like oh of course so yeah it's wild can't plan a thing but I mean it has it's really forced me to kind of take a step back and go okay like what's next for me if modeling can't go ahead so yeah well that's nice I feel like if anything we can all take some sort of positive about work slowing down and and find something so totally that's nice. 100%. Okay, we would love, obviously, to. we will get into your modelling and your career and everything because there's so much about you we absolutely love and can't wait to chat to you about. But we'd love to talk about your youth, you know, your growing up. Did you grow up in Perth? What were your interests in high school? Just take us back to back to Sure. Um, I grew up in Perth. Perth is where I've spent my entire life besides living in Sydney for um, two years when I was 21. Um my interest in high school is hard because I was so lost in high school. I wasn't particularly studious because I didn't know what I wanted to do. So my, you know, typical 16 year old headspace was, I don't know what I want to do. So why try? (laughs) Um, so I think I, I think I wasted quite a bit of potential there and that's what every single one of my report cards said, you know, (laughs) we can see Kate's got the potential, but she doesn't try, (laughs) which would have been extremely frustrating for everyone but me who was just living my best life. (laughs) Um, (laughs) I spent a lot of time doing art in high school. I actually thought I wanted to be, um, an art teacher towards the end there, but, um, soon figured out that wasn't what I wanted to do either. Um, 
so yeah that's that's a tough one to answer in terms of like my personality I was pretty confident and I think I really um maybe had a real outgoing personality to um kind of hide some of the insecurities deep down that I didn't really even know or understand just yet so yeah that was high school Kate (laughs) Yeah, it's funny looking back on high school, isn't it, and, and it's, thinking it's it's crazy. And, I mean, I know that's why we kind of transition through life as we do, but so many things mm-hmm. in high school would have been easier if we had have known what we did now or maybe for me <laughs> listen to it. my parents a bit more. But I'm like, no, 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 yeah. I know more than you. Like, you know, Yeah, now. I'm the one living my life, okay? 16-year-old yeah. <laughs> me knows everything. Um, yeah, crazy. I just... I just think how different it could have been if I actually knew what I wanted to do. But I mean, look, not complaining. I think it's important to talk about that though, because so many people in in high school don't know what they want to do and that is okay. I think even when I was in high school, I felt like, and I think a lot of people are the same, that you had to know, we had a careers counsellor person. I think we got to meet with her once and during year 12 or twice and we had to know what we wanted to do. And if we didn't know, it was like, oh, well, you have to know. You have to know what degree you want to do and then you have to know what job you want. And I was like, I have no idea. 100%. It was almost like, well, what's the point? What are you aiming for? What are your goals? And that pressure, I, I can still feel it now Like when I think about it, that pressure of being like, I'm failing because I just don't know what I want to do was, mm. was a lot. Mm. Um, but, yeah, I mean, they don't tell you, I, well, they didn't for me anyway in high school, that there's so many options out yeah, there. And I ended up going to uni, you know, I, I went, I did two TAFE courses trying to figure out what I liked and what I didn't like. Um, and then I went to uni for a bit. So mm. yeah, there's so many, many ways, many ways, many ways. There. That's it. <laughs> yeah, That's absolutely. It. And then obviously you've had an amazing modeling career, but before we get into that, we want to speak about your personal journey through accepting and respecting your body. And you are yeah. so amazingly open on social media, which we appreciate so much about your struggles with disorders, disordered eating. And we wanted to know if you were comfortable, if you were open to talking that, talking about our community and us through that journey that you've been on. Sure. Um, I mean, I think if we start from the beginning of that, like I said, in high school, I had these insecurities maybe that I didn't acknowledge or I didn't know was there and that I really overcompensated with my personality to be like the the fat girl that had, you know, that was funny or whatever. Um, so that really started for me, I think, when I was in my last year of high school. So we just turned 17. Um I remember being in home ec class and I remember a few of the girls whose mums worked at the school um, kind of all went to boot camp with some of the other teachers and they would always like come in and start talking about it. And I guess that's kind of when you start learning about how to live a healthy lifestyle and blah, blah, blah. And that was all so foreign to me because my parents didn't ever put pressure on me to look a certain way or be a certain way or really do anything until I was kind of wanting or comfortable to do it. Like they didn't force me to do anything, which I so appreciate. Mm. Um, So when I started hearing this from other girls and teachers and particularly girls that were already really quite thin, Mm -hmm. um, talking about how they wanted to lose weight, that was so foreign to me. And I was like, what are you talking about? Like you guys, to me, were 
perfect and the ideal of beauty and they just got so much attention from boys and that wasn't something I got because I was like the the funny one who got along with guys really well but you know like was very like friendly and like matey um so yeah seeing these girls and hearing them talk about how they were on shake diets and what have you and how they were losing weight um really struck a chord in me and I thought you know what one day I was sitting down across from one of these girls were in home ec and I was like what like what shake diet are you on Mm. and she told me and she was like oh it's just this one that's like $40 from chemist warehouse or wherever and I was like oh okay cool like I can afford that you know I was expecting something that was going to be hundreds of dollars um so I went over to chemist warehouse after school I got this this shake diet and my god I can still remember the taste you know that St. Ives apricot scrub (laughs) that way I can it tastes how that smelt and also the texture was the same like it had those like bits in it and it was like full of nutrients in Mm. quotation marks um (laughs) and all I was eating along with those three um shakes a day was like spinach and tomatoes and tuna so your girl was losing weight quick and like getting results and I was like it's working like Mm. Oh my god! And the more how old were that you I lost at this weight, stage? Was this like year I was eleven 17. or year twelve? Year twelve. This was year twelve. Okay. Okay. So you yes. also have the pressure of year twelve and all the stress, and then you then. Well, yeah, the stress of not knowing what I want to do. Yeah. So that's a good point. You know, losing weight became my identity, mm. and that became mm. my thing. Mm. Um, and I was the girl that was going from being told, "Oh, you've got a really pretty face," to being like you're really pretty and I want to date you. Mm. So, yeah, I was losing weight really quickly. The more I lost weight, the more compliments I was getting, the more attention I was getting, the more people were coming to me and going, how are you doing it? And these girls were already quite skinny. So I was like, wow, I'm really doing something right if these girls want to know what I'm doing. So that that praise around the Mm. weight loss Mm. fueled me like nothing Mm. else Mm -hmm. because – Like I said, I didn't know what I wanted to do. So that became my whole identity and I was doing it well. So that then continued probably until I was around 21. Um, I started started getting serious about it. And when I mean serious, I mean like unhealthily Mm. obsessed. Mm. Like this was who I was. I now had to be as skinny as I could be I started at 110 kilos and I went from being this girl who ate pies and was drinking huge choc chills didn't really know anything about nutrition whatever um and I mean I hate to associate that weight with being unhealthy Mm, but mm -hmm. I I was at the time Mm -hmm. to being this girl that was skinny and unbelievably fit like Mm. you know crazy crazy fit working out so obsessively because if I didn't the guilt that I would feel Mm. was just too much I felt like I had failed um I then remember turning to my mum and going okay mum I don't know how to eat over 800 calories a day Mm. and it was starting to bug me because I remember coming home from work on the train one day and I was like falling asleep and it was like 2 p.m and I was like this happens to me every day like this isn't right so I told mum Mum, I don't know how to eat over 800 calories a day. And her obvious reaction was, what do you mean? Like, just eat more food. And I was like, I can't. I cannot allow myself to do that. Um, But within those, you know, that was a normal day, 800 calories, I started binging. 
I started then occasionally bringing my food back up, and I hope there's a trigger warning on yeah, this yeah, before for I sure, talk about all sure. this. Um, I started sure. bringing my food back up. You know, if I was hungry, which I was a lot of the time, I would have a smoothie in quotation marks again that was blended spinach, a sweetener, and lemon, mm. and it was foul. Like I can still remember the taste, but it filled me for that, you know, two minutes. Um, so yeah, that really took a toll for a while. And then I went to the doctor after I had my meltdown about only knowing how to eat 800 calories a day. Um, and she was like, you know, try adding beans. And I was like, beans are a carb. Beans have this many calories in them. Like I can't. And she was like, but they've also got protein in them and they're also really good for you. Like carbs aren't bad. And I was like, what do you mean? And she's like giving me all this information and she's like, you need to go research this. And I was like, okay. And because I was like, you know, I'm six foot tall. I was a size 10 at the time. I wasn't overly skinny. I didn't look sick. I looked fit, but I wasn't healthy. And I think that is kind of leads me up to where I am today. Right now at a size 18, I'm so much healthier Mm. than I was at a size 10. And like, that's obviously not the same for all people. Mm -hmm. There's obviously people who are bigger, who are unhealthy. Mm -hmm. That doesn't mean people aren't worthy of respect or dignity or self-love. And I guess that's my, my whole message today that you can't really judge a book by its cover. Oh, I think Um, it's so important for sure. I mean, it's just, it's, to the point of that, um, I think, I think what saddens me when I hear that story is about how much you know other people's comments and everything obviously affected you and your journey mm-hmm. and kind of you know s- struck a chord to you. And mm-hmm. um, I think the hardest thing is, as you were saying, when friends were saying like, "Oh my God, you're losing so much weight, you look great," or whatever. Mm-hmm. I think that's the biggest issue with society's kind of what 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 they have you know pictured as the picture of health, and this is what mm-hmm. a healthy body mm-hmm. looks like. Um, and you know, making it only one size, that's where people can end up making the wrong comments to someone's health, saying, "Oh my God, 100%. you look great!" Like, keep going because as you said, like you weren't actually being healthy. What you no, were doing, so that, the it doesn't, in, it mm. doesn't take into account the mental health mm-hmm. side of it. A hundred percent. And the social aspect of health. I was too scared to go out with friends because I didn't want to eat anything that I hadn't prepared. Um, it just, it, like you said, it just is society's internalized fat phobia, mm. I guess. Um, yeah, it's, Oh, it's a whole big issue. <laughs> I know. And as you said, you are quite happy now and you feel like you're in a really good space and you're healthy. So what's your relationship yes. like with food and exercise now? With exercise now, it's so good. Like I have found things that I enjoy doing. I wake up in the morning and I want to go to the gym. I don't feel like I have to go to the gym if I miss it because whatever reason, even if I just don't feel like going, I don't think oh my God, I'm disgusting. And I don't have all this, you know, all these negative thoughts about myself now. So exercise wise, really great food as well. But with food, I still do have my ups and downs. Mm -hmm. Definitely. I definitely don't wake up every day and go, I am a confident, beautiful size 18. Sometimes I wake up and go, oh yeah, I'm an 18. Like I can't really get clothes that fit me in most stores. Like 
I'm disgusting, I'm too big, like why can't I just be skinny again? I, I miss the old me, I guess. Um, I definitely have days like that. So food still does, I guess, have a hold over mm. me. Mm-hmm. I can still look at food and tell you exactly how many calories is mm. in it, exactly what comes from carbs, fat, mm. protein, you know, like all of that. And that, I guess, I have this internal calorie counter that yeah. is still there. Um, I still kind of eat the same thing every single day. I don't change it up because I know what's in it. I know that's my way of controlling what I'm consuming. I still do. I spoke about this on my story a couple of months ago, but during COVID, I was struggling a little bit with not eating because I just didn't have that structure in my life anymore where it was like, oh, it's lunchtime or whatever. It was kind of just this blur of, you know, a day doing nothing. Um, So, you know, I'd wake up, I wouldn't eat until like 4pm and then that would be the only meal I had a day. And I was like, "Mm, this isn't right. Sorry, the bin man's just outside if you can hear. It's okay. (laughs) Great timing. Um, Yeah, so, God, where was I at? Sorry, just lost my Got to like 4pm and you... Yes, got to like 4pm. So on my Instagram story, I was talking about how I opened my wardrobe that night and there was a empty... Um, ice cream container in the back of my wardrobe and I just was like oh like I'm not back here again am I like I'm not I'm not hiding food that I've consumed because I'm I'm too ashamed to put it in the bin scared that someone might see it Mm -hmm. um I yeah I was wanting to do the keto diet because I wanted to drop weight really fast and it wasn't until my boyfriend turned around and went why Mm. and like he said you know you don't ever have to lose weight for me to find you attractive, you know? And I was like, I kind of flicked something in my head and I was like, I I know that, I've never doubted that, but also just hearing that, Mm. thinking you don't have to be skinny to be beautiful coming from someone else other than just myself um, was really nice. So I do still struggle, but on the most part, I'm way better than I was. I think that's so great that you're so open about that. Like it, it's, yeah. you know, so many people look up to you um, and you're so real and raw on Instagram. So many people respect that. But it's also so nice to know that whilst you have come so far in your journey and you, you are happy now, there's absolutely those down days or the, the guilt 100%. sometimes comes in and yeah. all that sort of stuff. And I think it's it's really refreshing, I'm sure, a lot of people who felt like maybe they got to a healthy state or a healthy mindset and then maybe had one of those days where they felt mm-hmm. guilty, thought like, oh, I'm not there yet. I mustn't be yeah, happy still, yeah. you know? So it's refreshing. Yeah, I think it is. I think it is just something you deal with maybe for the rest of your life. I mean, mm-hmm. I don't know. It's only been it's only been five years for me. So, um, but from what I've read, I think it is something maybe that you do deal with. I think it's just the way that you deal with it and the way that you handle it that changes. Mm. And that is the biggest, you know, impact. What I really focus on when you were speaking before about the fact that, well, first of all, the fact that when you lose weight, it doesn't also, it doesn't necessarily mean you're healthy. And some people lose Mm. weight when they're in a horrible mental place because Mm. of stress. And so I think it's really important, like as a society, that we stop when someone's losing weight don't ask them what are you doing ask them are you okay I think that's really important check in with them totally I totally agree and on the flip side of that people gain weight for so many different Mm -hmm. reasons as well and it's like you can't you can't sit back and I mean people do but 
you go, Judge. you're promoting obesity and you're fat and you've let yourself go and you're gross. There's so many different reasons. And even if you do strip back those reasons, it's still no one's business. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and the other thing you said before about when you were eating 800 calories a day and, and excessively exercising and, and, you know, mm-hmm. you were at about a size 10, but you said you didn't look like you were sick or anything like that. You, you obviously looked healthy, and but obviously you weren't inside. But what would you say to people that what, what that kind of in my head popped up when you said that was all the people that think, and I think we're kind of getting there now with social media, but some people still do think, unfortunately, and it's because of the way that messages are delivered, that if you eat mm-hmm. the same diet as someone you see online that you think is attractive, that you will look like them. And we put yes. so much pressure on ourselves to do that. And I did that for a very long time when I was, yep. you know, 19, 19, 20. And I thought, I want to look like this yep. person from this, you know, that has a totally different genetic build than me, totally different body type, but I'm going to eat like she does. So I'm going to look like her. And that's not the case. Mm-hmm. What do you, what do you it have? to say yeah about that never happens I I don't know if you saw I did a mirror writing um photo (laughs) thank you (laughs) that they're so fun um but that one it went viral and it said if we all ate the same and worked out the same we would all still have different bodies and that blew up and people were so confused and just like the amount of comments and messages I got saying is this true? And I was like, yeah, like, you know, I could be eating, I could be eating the same as you girls and we would still look completely different. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, and I remember even my first week of uni going into nutrition class and them being like, you know, you don't even need the same amount of calories for your body every single day, let alone the same amount of calories as someone else. And that, that really stuck with me. Um, yeah, but it, it blew people's minds and I, it blew my mind that it blew everyone's mm. mind. <laughs> such such good advice. Yeah, I think it's so amazing that you share those things because it is, unfortunately, Thank you. we do, we are led to believe that that's the case and it, it's absolutely yeah. not. And, and I, I, you know, I do understand because like you said, it's, it's everywhere, you know. It, there's the ads on TV that get me. I don't know if you guys have them in Melbourne. Might just be a WA thing, but it's... um the toxic fat you get around your waist when you drink sugary drinks. Do you guys have that? And it goes like, it, it's, oh, it's really confronting, but it goes kind of like into the layer of fat and how your heart is struggling. And then it's like obesity kills. That bugs me so much because I understand the message. Don't get me wrong. I, I, I understand that excessive weight can be really dangerous for people, but then also the guy that they've used is probably the same size as me. I haven't touched a fizzy drink in years. Like I don't, I don't have sugar. I don't have a sweet tooth. I eat healthy, but I still have weight on my stomach and around my middle. And that always bugs me because I think that's what people assume of me. Do you know what I mean? Like they would look at me and not think that I work out or not think that I eat well or look after myself or, um, care about my health and yeah I don't know if I delivered that well if that makes sense but that really bugs me because there is that um that stigma that anyone above a size 10 or anyone who doesn't look really healthy and fit is unhealthy 
Yeah, absolutely. Which I don't think is true. And there's an ad that I see. I think, I mean, it's why we do everything the way we do with Keep It Cleaner. Like, our meal plan is not, we never say follow it strictly. Like, if you need a guy, yeah. it's there, but swap out when mm-hmm. you want, go out for dinner, have left whatever you need. Like, it's not, and it's not yeah. a strict meal plan. And that is so important because I think there are, like, mm-hmm. there's this ad 100%. that I always see, and it's these people on a treadmill and they're drawn and they're running and they get skinnier each week. Yes. Yes. Oh, I see that pop up on Facebook yes. all yes. the time. And what is that telling Why? people? The worst one is when they've got the the girl who's like um, really curvy, yeah. for lack of a better word, and then they've got the skinny body inside. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's like she's running. It's, it's oh. just... Oh, my God. Mm. Like, God forbid someone be happy the way they are, you I know? know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it is a crazy world. Um, Some of the ads that yes. come up and even the, um, I don't know if you guys have seen the face the Facetune ads recently. Yeah. And it's like, change your whole look. And it, it, the, the person mm-hmm. looks more beautiful before because their whole face has been smoothed out. Because <laughs> they just look like a cartoon. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I know, I know. Oh, it's wild. So anyway, that, I get why people think that way and I understand why women and men are hard on themselves and unfortunately other people. I I get it. But I think I would love to be part of that change. And and I think you absolutely, you absolutely are. We we wanted to know as well, when in this journey, when did modelling start for you and why did you pursue it? And at what stage of, of your journey were you at when you started? Mm-hmm. I um, was at uni. I was studying nutrition and health promotion and I was loving it. And I was starting to put on weight again because I was still still working out, but I wasn't working out obsessively. And I was eating a balanced, normal diet. I was starting to socialize again. I was going out and occasionally, you know, drinking with my friends. And I was kind of just starting to live my life again. Um as I would say, I was being healthy. So I was starting to put on weight again and, you know, I was feeling a bit down on myself. And then I was scrolling Facebook and I saw like this ad and it was like, if you love your curves, um, we're looking, we're doing a model search essentially. So I joined Vivian's and then I ended up winning the model search and I was like, oh my goodness. Um, And then I kind of was building this passion more and more um, because of everything that I had been through. I was like, that's that's not normal, but it's so relatable. Like Mm. everyone I told was like, I've been through something like that. I've had, you know, disordered eating. I've had serious eating disorders and all of this. So I won this model search, which just blew my mind because it was nothing I'd ever considered in my life and my agency said to me look babe even the straight size models here in Perth don't work very often and they're like you're plus size you're gonna have to move if you want to pursue this and I was halfway through my uni degree I spoke to my parents about it and I was like you know uni's always going to be there I think I just want to dive in and take this opportunity Um, So I did. I was so lucky to get a client that wanted to work with me once a week for two years. So I lived in Sydney. Um, And then things with anybody kind Mm. of took off, which is, I guess, 
I was starting to feel like my profile was building ever so slightly. I had like 2,000 followers. Mm. And I was starting to get hate messages. And at this point, I was a size 14. Um, I was starting to get hate messages. I was starting to get people wanting to send me clothes, but, oh, sorry, we don't do your size um, kind of thing, which is just, I cop that every day of my life. So annoying. Um, So, yeah, anybody kind of took off because we wanted that change. Um, And then that is really what kicked off my modelling career into being able to have a platform and actually being able to say to brands, hey, do you think you're going to up your sizing soon? Because you're asking to send me clothes all the time, but I can't actually fit into them. So, yeah. So maybe two questions. I have a question about Mm -hmm. when you were talking about modelling and you said that, um, you know, you wanted to jump in the opportunity. Was a lot of your excitement around it because I suppose – you had, you had totally fallen for society's trap in thinking that there was mm-hmm. like a one-size-fit-all approach. And the idea mm-hmm. of possibly modelling for brands and like being, you know, in a magazine or on mm-hmm. a on website and everything and mm-hmm. being, I suppose, you know, a, a more relatable size maybe for, for a lot of women, was that something that kind of was like, this is something I want to do? A little bit. I think um, I remember seeing Robin Lawley on mm-hmm. the cover of um, Madison magazine and it just blew my brains. <laughs> I was like, what do you mean? This woman is size 14 and she's on the cover and she looks fierce. Mm-hmm. So I had that in the back of my head. I also had a bit of a drive because I had had, like you said, that negative experience and I had had so many people in my past tell me, you have such a beautiful face. If she was skinnier, she would be so hot. So having that opportunity and, you know, that drive to be like, I hate the cliched saying it's about to come out of my mouth, but not just a pretty <laughs> face. Like, you know, I can actually make something of this and I can, I can be what I view as a normal size because that's, that's my relatable size yeah. and I can be a model and I can make this work. So that really was a big driving factor for me. Yeah, that's cool. And you touched on anybody co. I suppose I know a lot of our community would absolutely know about any anybody yeah. co, but like maybe just how that began and just a little bit about why that started. Um well that started because Georgia and I went to I don't know, somewhere in Sydney. We went out one night took a photo as you do and then I think she was wearing a cook eye dress and I, I couldn't even dream of fitting you know one of my thighs into a cook eye dress so I was just wearing whatever I was wearing and then cook eye reposted us and I remember going on their page and seeing that all of their other photos had probably 50 to 100 comments max mm-hmm. and then I on my photo had 800 comments and I was like Huh? It didn't even cross my mind why that could be. And I went on it and there was just so many people that were happy and excited to see the first plus size body that Cook Eye had ever posted, mm. even though I wasn't wearing Cook Eye because mm. I couldn't. And then there were so many people going, why do you have this, you know, this fat person on your page? Like you don't, that's not your target audience, like blah, 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 blah. And I was just like, I just remember being up all night reading and being like, what on earth is this? Like, to me, that photo was two girls out, you know, taking a cute photo to post on Instagram and it just turned into this huge 
what felt like at the time this huge controversy. Mm. And so, you know, we kind of got talking about that and we were like, I only model for old lady brands. I only model for brands that, you know, their target audience is 60-year-old women and I'm this 22-year-old wearing caftans that I wouldn't even dream of wearing. Um, And so we kind of came up with this idea that we wanted to model together just to show how normal it is because, I mean, you just have to look out on the street and you see it's a reflection of society, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So, yeah, that was definitely the driving factor behind that. So it was, I think it was right before then when I was following the both of you and and Mm -hmm. I've followed your journey ever since. And one thing that I've always loved is how open you are. And as we touched on earlier, how raw Mm -hmm. you really are online. Um, And I suppose I'd like to ask, do you like social media? Do you like being on there? Hmm. Yes and no. Yes, in the sense that I'm very lucky to have a voice. And I'm very lucky to have such wonderful followers and I enjoy just sharing girly things with people and I I find it really fun in that way. Um, I've connected with so many people. I'm lucky enough for that to be my job and during COVID, having that was just a lifesaver. But on the flip side, I hate when people say you should expect all this negativity because you have a following. Don't be in the public eye if you don't want to get bullied. I think that is just such a backwards way of thinking. And, you know, the bullying does get to me. And I, to me, to my friends, to everyone, I am just such a normal girl who gets upset when people criticise me and Mm. who lives what might look like a very privileged life online but is in fact very normal I'm struggling to save for a house I don't really know what I want to do with my life when modeling's over and I've had these amazing moments happen to me which I'm very very grateful for and I can understand the privilege that I have to actually have this social media following but I still feel very normal so when people say you should expect to get bullied because you have this following I think like, what do you mean? Mm. Um, so, yeah, the, the bullying and the negativity, I guess, um, I hate. Mm. But otherwise, yeah, I, I find social media quite a positive experience. How do you deal with those trolls? Do you have a system? Do you, does it depend on, I mean, for me, it depends on the day. If you get me on a bad day, I'm like, that's it. Engage in conversation, <laughs> which is obviously the worst thing to do ever. Yeah. And I'm like, yeah, yeah right. This Graham yeah. from, from Adelaide is right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Graham, he doesn't really know what he's doing with social media. Um, yes, I, I'm. I'm the exact same. I would tell everyone if someone does that to you to just block and delete them because it's not worth arguing with someone who is committed to misunderstanding you. Mm. You're never going to get through and they're only going to come back being meaner and meaner and probably not making much sense. Um, If someone is open to having a rational conversation with me, like people disagree with me all the time and that's fine. Like I'm, that's life, you know, not everyone's going to think the same way you do and I think you can kind of get lost in that in your own kind of echo chamber on social media so when someone disagrees with you it's like oh whoa what like um but I I love that because I love talking to people and finding out why they think that way and 
you know, a lot of people can have a decent conversation and just be like, you know what, I don't disagree with you and this is why, whatever. Um, but then people also, like I said, can just be really committed to misunderstanding you. So I would tell people just to block and delete those people. But like you said, if you catch me on a bad day, like I will verbally rip you a new one and then they will do the same <laughs> to me and then the mood is just off. Like <laughs> it just ruins your entire day. So yeah. Yeah, I don't really have a system. Sometimes I cry about it. Sometimes I laugh about it. <laughs> yeah, I think that's. Yeah, I think that that's life to anyone that kind of gets bullied on totally. that. Totally, it's just it really depends on on, on mm. the day for sure. <laughs> that's um, it. So I feel like we have to touch on one amazing part of your career, mm-hmm. um, Sports Illustrated. Talk us oh, through yeah. finding <laughs> out. You know, the day that you found out that you were going to shoot for Sports Illustrated, what oh. was the whole experience like? Because <laughs> it looks like, it looks real fun. It was insane. I think to tell you the whole experience would have to start when <laughs> I got asked to do a casting. Um, I remember walking into my agency and ever so casually they said, oh, Sports Illustrated reached out about a casting. And I was like, huh? What? <laughs> and they're like, but you've got work booked this week and you know, every model in the world goes for this job. Oh, and I yeah, was like, <laughs> yeah. And I was like, oh yeah. I was like, yeah, whatever. I've got paid work to, to do. Um, and then I went home that night and I was like, nah, I've got to take this opportunity. I've got to. So I jumped on a plane. Um, it, the casting was like a week later, I jumped on a plane to New York. It cost me all my savings at the time, which was only like $3,000. Like I was not saving money when I was 22. Um, so it cost me all my money. I went over, I was in New York for 24 hours so that I could come back and make these paid jobs that I already had booked. Cause obviously, like I said, I wasn't saving. I needed mm. the money. Um, went over, did the casting and I walked out of that casting and I just thought, I fucking nailed that. Like, you know, when you just get that feeling, <laughs> which like I don't get very often, but I just like walked out and I felt really good about it. Um, anyway, I came home, forgot about it. Like months went by and I was like, oh, I wonder who got it. Like, you know, and then I decided I was going to go to London and work for a bit. So I was on the plane to London. I think I'd been in transit for like 14 hours or something. So I was tired. We just left Dubai. I had another seven hours or whatever it is ahead of me. It was nighttime. The whole plane was quiet. Lights were off and my phone dings. <laughs> it's just in capitals you booked Sports Illustrated from my (laughs) New York agent. And like, oh my God, I was just like beaming from ear to ear. And I was just like, what? Like, like literally trying not to scream because like the plane was quiet and screaming on a plane is probably not a great idea. But um, yeah, I was frantically texting everyone I knew. I was texting my boyfriend, I was texting my parents, I was texting all my friends, like, holy shit, and nothing was going through. Yeah. It was like plain Wi-Fi, and I was just like, oh, my goodness. So I had to wait seven hours before I could actually get off, get to my hotel room and just scream and be like, <laughs> what the hell is happening? So, yeah, that was incredible. Um, I still smile thinking of that. Um so then two weeks after that, I jumped on a plane to Aruba <laughs> and I did 14 flights in two weeks. I was exhausted, <laughs> but on such a high. Yeah. Um, I shot Sports Illustrated in Aruba. There was all these flamingos around. It was just, 
It was insane. Mm. The team was so nice. I was incredibly anxious going into it because I thought this is going to be the biggest shoot of my career. This mm. is this is it. Mm. The team was so lovely and so welcoming and so kind. And then um, MJ Day said mm. to us all, don't go online today. Like, enjoy this moment. Take it in. Um, do not worry about what people are saying online. And I just, oh, I was like, oh, I know what people are saying. But I was like, no, this is for me. I'm going to enjoy it not worry about anything else. And then we finished shooting. They were still shooting one of the other models. I'd finished. I'd wrapped for the day. So I was just sitting down, kind of taking it all in. I was a bit shaky because I was like, oh, my goodness, like, <laughs> did that just happen? And I got a little Google alert pop up and it was this article that was like, um, they're having obese models in Sports Illustrated now. And then it was just a picture of me. And I was like, <laughs> I was like, sweet. So then I was like on such a high, but I like had all this energy that I just like burst into tears. And I was like, I was like, this is so great. And I'm so happy, but I'm so sad and I'm so <laughs> frustrated. And anyway, I let that go. Um, we went and shot some other things, went back to the UK. And then I was kind of just like watching all of the commentary around it, expecting that it would all be like what that one article mm. was, but it wasn't. It was really positive. Mm. And yeah, it, that that just really enforced that it's needed. Like diversity mm. is needed. I was at the time, I was one of the three plus size models that had been in Sports Illustrated. Mm. So, you know, diversity was still, which it's like sucks because it was like 2017, 2018. Mm. Mm -hmm. But like diversity was still like, oh my God, they've got a plus size person in the magazine, mm. like a plus size person wearing a bikini. Um, whereas now I think it's it's expected, you know, that's mm. that's the bare minimum you can do. So yeah, overall, it was a really, really positive experience and it, it shocked me that the commentary around it was so positive so yeah wow that's so awesome did you did it change your career after doing it and did they pay you a lot is that what happens on sports <laughs> illustrated or is it a is it like a is it a is it like no. a privilege thing like you're in sport illustrated like vogue like you shoot it's, for vogue yes get and paid it's, nothing it's okay editorial okay. right yeah. laura so it's like you get paid like two dollars um yeah, and it's very much like this is a privilege okay. to be in this magazine, yeah. and like, girl, you believe it because yeah. you've just flown first <laughs> class. Yeah. You're in a there's flamingos yeah. around, just staying in a penthouse. You're like, I am living life. Like, oh my god, yeah, I'd pay to be in it. <laughs> yeah, it was it was so good. Um, in terms of it changing my career, not really, because I think anybody was what did that. Um, I was already doing a lot of TV interviews and a lot of media and all of that so that kind of I guess just prolonged it mm. a little bit mm. but yeah well thank you obviously I had a very successful modeling career Sports Illustrated obviously just didn't have my email <laughs> <laughs> That's Imagine it, me babe. doing sports illustrated. I wouldn't know how. Anyway, so. <laughs> I didn't know what I was doing either. Don't even stress. <laughs> oh, so to finish off, we would love to know um, if you could go back to your teenage or 18-year-old self and mm -hmm. give yourself some advice, what would it be? Honestly, I think it would be be nicer to people because you don't know what people are going through. You don't know what kind of front they're putting on to the world and what they're dealing with behind closed doors. So I think that 
is probably the advice that I would give young me now. Um, also that don't change for anyone. Don't, don't try and fit a mold that you're not. Um, if you're worried about someone, which I was, if we worried about finding a partner or something, you don't want anyone to love you for something that you're not. Cause you're going to have to put that facade on for the rest of your life. And that is not achievable. So yeah. That's amazing. I love that. I love that so much. And I know Lozzie said that was the last one, but I really just want to ask Sorry. you quickly, Kate. <laughs> I think because we, we, we spoke so much about your journey and, and everything. I just, I, I'm really interested to know what you value the most in yourself. What I value, I think my compassion. I think I'm very compassionate and that can be maybe a downfall sometimes, but <laughs> I think that's probably that's probably something I value most in myself that I've not ever lost the ability to put myself in other people's shoes. That's beautiful. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for your time and thank you so much for your storytelling and everything. It's been an absolute pleasure. I haven't seen you in so long so it's it also just nice it's to catch way up too long <laughs> totally thank you so much for having me guys it was really nice well we hope you enjoyed this episode i am going to spare you us talking any longer because we have just really speak to speak to, spoken <laughs> spoken a lot and we hope you enjoyed the episode we have got two more bonus episodes coming I don't know. They're not even bonus episodes. They're just well, we have two more episodes. The, yeah, um, the, the, the public don't really know that they were bonus. There was going to be one and we decided, you know what, let's split it. So since when do you say the public? <laughs> okay, sorry. Our community. I'm just going to shush. I've really butchered this podcast. <laughs> you haven't. I love it. You've given a bit of chilli spice and I'm quite enjoying it. A bit of cumin. Anyway. <laughs> Uh, if you would like to follow Kate, we highly recommend it. We'll put her details in our show notes. If you'd like to get more information on Keep It Cleaner, you can at www.keepitcleaner.com.au. You can follow Keep It Cleaner at Keep It Cleaner on Instagram. You can follow the queen of, of uh, nah, eating at the airport no. on <laughs> Stephanie <laughs> Smith. <laughs> and you can follow me at laura.henshaw. And we will talk to you next week. Bye, guys.